Hello, STEM Nation. Jeff here, and welcome to episode number 32 of STEM on Fire, where we interview practicing professionals in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math to help guide students interested in STEM careers. If you like what you hear in this podcast, I ask that you please share it with a friend. Now let's get fired up with our guest, John, and I hope our chat will help ignite your passion towards a STEM career. John Budsing earned a Bachelor of Science degree in both electrical engineering and computer science from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, as well as a master's in healthcare technologies management from Marquette University. John has done design work and project management at both large and small companies and currently is an electrical engineering manager at Design Concepts. Welcome to the show, John. Fill in any gaps and share a bit of your personal life. Thanks, Jeff. I'm a husband and a father born and raised in Wisconsin. And uh, growing up, I'm not sure I even knew an engineer. And I didn't really know what engineers did. And of course, this was all pre-internet. The library was the only source for information. And as much as I liked learning, I didn't spend much time at the library while I was in high school. But I gravitated towards math and science, and I was primarily interested in healthcare. And uh, perhaps something a little bit different about me is that I took and passed the fundamentals of engineering exam while I was senior in college. And then I took and passed the professional engineer exam after about four years of work experience. I filed the application, got the letters of recommendation, and earned my PE license in the state of Wisconsin. So it's not very common and not necessary for most environments, but definitely a nice credential to have. And uh, to this point, I've actually never used my stamp. Um, and uh, another thing I would add is I also have 17 patents. So, John, those are some pretty awesome accomplishments. You know, the PE, you know, there's that's one of the options that engineers will face as they go through college is the professional engineering exam. I guess let's touch on that real quick on what that would do for a for your career and what type of engineering would require the PE. Yeah, from my experience, it's primarily used in the building space in construction, um, where a PE license is required to sign off on building plans. Um, I think just in general within the electrical engineering field, it adds a level of credential, a level of um, someone else has recognized your capabilities within the industry. Okay, John, thanks for that. And let's dig in here. So you you have both a degree in electrical engineering and computer science. And most students will go for electrical engineering, maybe take some computer classes, or they'll go to create the straight computer science route. Could you provide some career opportunities for this type of background, both electrical and computer science, and how they complement each other? Yeah, I think having the the two degrees really has allowed me to span the breadth of electrical engineering. So everything from software and computer enterprise systems to low-level embedded systems. Um, so well, I think what it's provided me is the opportunity to see lots of different solutions for a problem and not be limited by my skill set as to what solution I pursue. Um, so I think within the employment arena, um, it provides tons of opportunities. There's um, so many different jobs that might require just, say, software skills or computer um, architecture knowledge. And then there's others, of course, that require electrical engineering skills. Um, so I just feel for me that it's provided a lot of I guess, job stability in the sense that I feel like I have skills that are very marketable. Yeah, so STEM Nation, if you're going for electrical engineering, make sure you do take some of the computer science classes, at least get some programming experience. You may not have to do, you know, a dual degree, but you definitely want to learn how to program as an electrical engineer. And John, let's dig in here. What is your specific area of expertise? Primarily, it would be around the areas of hardware design, um, architecture, and software and firmware development. And so that in my focus through my career has been in embedded systems, 
medical devices, and uh, as of more recently, IoT or the Internet of Things. And you were a design engineer for many, many years and, and recently became a, a hardware manager. Um, could you describe what a typical day might look like? And I know there is no typical days for engineering, but when you're doing design, what would a day look like? What were the things that you would typically do? So when I was doing just primarily design, I would focus on, uh, it was always working in teams, um, following the standard, fairly standard milestone process for product development. So capturing requirements for your design, um, trickling that down into hardware architectures, leading into schematic capture, um, then doing PCB layout, and then finally having a built board come in, doing board bring up, ensuring that it was operating properly, um, and then implementing the firmware. Um, so any given day could be any number of tools that would be used for that. could be electrical CAD tools, or it could be a software development environment. And so you used a couple of terms there, like PCB and, and board and firmware. Could you expand upon what those really mean? Sure. PCB stands for printed circuit board. Some people also say PCA, so printed circuit assembly. Um, so these would be like the circuit board you might find in your phone um, or in your TV or any home consumer device that's electronic. Um, the firmware is the essentially the code that runs on a device that's considered an embedded device. So it doesn't it, it has a, a constrained set of resources available to that microprocessor, whether in terms of memory and I/O and peripherals. Um, so that tends to be called firmware. Um, and then throughout my career, I've also used firmware to refer to hardware development languages like VHDL used to program FPGAs. Okay, John, thanks for that overview. And we're going to go into something that has you really fired up in the area of engineering or STEM in general. Yeah, so for me, it's really two things. It's uh, the IoT, which is the Internet of Things, and it's bioengineering or biological engineering. Uh, biological engineering uses biological systems to solve real-world problems, and there's a lot of activity in this space right now in implantables, surgical instruments, DNA instrumentation, CRISPR, which is a gene editing technique, um, and a lot of this is leading to the quantified self, precision medicine, and home health, and that's where those two sort of interact, where, where the Internet of Things um, and connectivity within the home is intersecting with healthcare. Hey, John, could you explain what quantified self means? Um, so, say uh, a Fitbit allows you to understand what your heart rate is and your activity level, um, and that's part of the quantified self. And taking that to the next level, say, of monitoring your blood pressure or your glucose levels of your body. And so it's gathering data about your personal health status. Um, and then looking at trends over time, which allows the healthcare industry to then start look at um, if you have a, a disease state that needs to be treated, they can target solutions for your particular de disease state in your particular body. So, John, it sounds like you're fired up about biological engineering or the biological sciences. How is that related to the electronics world and the software world? Well, as I mentioned before, you tend to work on teams. So everybody on the team brings a different skill set to the table. And someone with a biological engineering focus or a biology focus can bring that knowledge. And an electrical engineer can bring their knowledge. And someone well-versed in software can bring that knowledge. And together they can create a product to solve an existing need or an unmet need. So, John, I'm going to say to STEM Nation, you know, when you're in high school and you're taking these biology classes and you're wondering, 
you know, I'm going for electrical engineering or computer science. I don't need to know bio, you know, biology, but you never know when that knowledge that you gained along the way is going to come into play. So when you're taking a class, do your best at it, learn as much as you can, because in the end, I think it's going to be helpful um, and you just don't know it yet. John, we're going to transition to an aha moment. Could you take us to a moment in time where you've had an incredible aha moment and how you turn that aha moment into success? Sure. So this answer may not be exactly what you're going after. Um, so it's not really the moment you're after. But I think that the realization that if you're asked to teach someone else something, you learn it so much better. Um, I believe it was the ancient philosopher Seneca that said, well, we teach, we learn. And I agree with this. And I think the best way to understand a concept is to explain it to someone else. And I guess I would add to that, explaining it to multiple someones with very different backgrounds and bodies of knowledge um, just entrenches you so much more in that information. So I don't know that I had a specific moment in time that I can point to, but somewhere along my path, um, I discovered this. And so just approaching new learning with this in mind is really powerful. So I've taken that to the next step, and I always assume that when I'm learning something, that if I'm going to have to teach it to someone else, then it just helps me learn that that much better. And this is one of the primary reasons I really enjoy mentoring. And I'll say from, you know, from that aha moment from, you know, teaching somebody, what I've realized along the way is I think I'm explaining it 100% and, and understandable. And when I ask the person, you know, they have no clue what I'm talking about. And that's been aha moments for me is that when you think you're clear, sometimes you're not clear at all. So you really need to ask for feedback as well um, to find out if they're really understanding what you're teaching them. So, John, we are going to go back to when you were 18 heading off to college. Something that you think would help our STEMers launch into college successfully. What are some things you wish you knew back then? Uh, yeah, for me personally, I would never have listened to the advice anyways. Um, but the advice that I would give is go to class, make use of all the resources available at the college or university that you attend, um, and and focus on learning to gain knowledge rather than learning to take a test. Yeah, you have to understand. We just uh, talked to another person on one of the other podcasts where they talked about, yeah, the GPA is important because that's kind of the ticket in, but you really have to understand those concepts because those concepts will build and if you don't learn to understand, you're going to be in trouble later on in your in your curriculum or in your career. So, John, you, you graduated college. You have a couple degrees. You've got a master's degree. And you've been working out in the real world for a while. What are some attributes that you think are needed by STEMers to be successful in the real world? I think it is to be eternally curious. In today's day and age, information is easily accessible, and it's everywhere. And if you want to learn something, you can follow multiple paths of, that are available to you to go learn it. Um, so continuing to be curious, find the next thing that you're curious about, and go and learn that. And we are going to take a quick pause to thank our sponsor, Audible, who is offering a free audiobook. You can head over to stemonfirebook.com. That's stemonfirebook.com to get a free audiobook of your choosing. If you decide to cancel within 30 days, there's no cost and you keep the audiobook. And John, are you ready for the lightning round? I'm on my second cup of coffee, so yeah, I'm ready. All right, here we go. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? All right, I'm going to cheat on this question and not really answer it. Uh, the best piece of advice was not really advice, but it was modeled behavior. 
I've been really blessed to work for some really great people, and I've seen them utilize empathy in their roles, and they put the individual above the product or the company or the bottom line. They've taken the time to get to know the people that report to them and that they're working for. They take the time to establish a human connection and be empathetic to achieve mutual respect in that relationship. And what is a personal habit that contributes to your success? I'll come back to uh, curiosity. Uh, I have an insatiable curiosity, but I also know when to call it quits. You know, when I've learned enough about a subject to solve the problem or carry out the task at hand. Um, delving too deep can be paralyzing, so knowing when you know enough is critical. And what's your favorite internet resource or phone app and why? Uh, first one is the podcast app on my phone. Second is YouTube. There's just so much great content and information on both of those platforms. There's some really wonderful people sharing their knowledge. Um, for example, if you'd like to learn to weld or become a blacksmith, there's YouTube channels dedicated to it. You can find a podcast where someone will share, for example, how they turned a hobby of theirs into a business. Just really great resources. And John, if you had to recommend one book, and I'll let you do two if you want. Instead of a favorite book, I'm going to share a podcast. So other than STEM on Fire, of course. Yeah, of course, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, and this podcast certainly isn't a little-known podcast. It's been around for 16 years, first as a radio program and now as a radio program and a podcast with more than 2 million listeners. Um, and it's Radiolab. And Radiolab describes themselves as a show about curiosity where sound illuminates ideas and the boundaries blur between science, philosophy, and human experience. It's just great storytelling mixed with interesting science and innovative sound. All right, Radiolab, we'll have that on the show notes. And John, as we wrap up here, can you share a parting piece of guidance for STEM Nation? And then we'll say goodbye. Sure. If there's a career that you're interested in, find someone in that career. Ask if you can job shadow them. So many people would love to share with a young person what it is that they do, and they'd love to help that young person decide if what they do is something that would fit them. Yeah, John, I'm going to say, you know, a mentor. That's kind of a mentor. And we interviewed a gentleman by the name of Murphy, who he recommended his parting piece of guidance was to, to find a mentor, and he wished he had a mentor back when he was 18 heading off to college so he knew what was important and what was not important. And with that, John, we will say goodbye. Goodbye, Jeff. I hope you enjoyed our discussion today with John. Head over to stemonfire.com, subscribe to the email list to keep up with the latest happenings, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player. And again, if you're getting value, please share it with a friend. Tune in next week where we talk with John, who works for Google X on drones. Until next time, I hope this chat has helped ignite your passion towards a STEM career.